0: Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 a.m. News Talk and RadioNL.com.
1: Hello, and welcome into the Jeff Andreas Show here on Tuesday, January the 21st. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is Disease Week in Global News. This whole uh, coronavirus seems to be the story of the, the day, I guess, right now officials in china are racing to contain the spread of this new virus that has left at least six people dead and sickened more than 300 after it was confirmed the infection can spread now between humans wuhan the central chinese city where coronavirus was first detected announced a series of new measures including the cancellation of upcoming lunar new year celebrations which are expected to attract hundreds of thousands of people tour agencies have been banned from taking groups out of wuhan Uh, Traffic police will also be conducting spot checks on private vehicles coming in and out of the city to look for live poultry, wild animals, or other uh, signs of uh, potential link to the virus after it has been linked, of course, to seafood and other live animal markets. There are now fears, however, that efforts to contain the coronavirus are coming too late. China's National Health Commission announced that it had received 291 confirmed cases of the Wuhan coronavirus, with 77 new cases reported uh, just yesterday. So even before cases were being detected in other countries the efforts to contain the wuhan coronavirus were international uh, wuhan alone has connections to dozens of overseas destinations and beijing and shanghai have hundreds more so a lot of things that are happening at airports here In Asia, airports have uh, stepped up temperature screening for incoming passengers, as have several hubs now in the U.S. with connections to uh, Wuhan, including New York, San Francisco, L.A., and uh, from what I understand as well, now airports in Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver are taking these precautionary measures. As well. Well, what exactly is the uh, coronavirus? I mean, it has nothing to do with beer, from what I understand. It is a flu-like virus that causes pneumonia and then doesn't respond well to antibiotic treatment. Uh, coronaviruses are large are a large family, excuse me, of viruses that cause illnesses, including the common cold, to severe diseases such as SARS. Uh, the SARS epidemic, which, you remember, infected more than 8,000 people and killed nearly 800, triggered mass panic as it spread across more than two dozen countries after starting in China in late 2002. Now, it looks like this coronavirus is taking a similar path in the sense, you know, we're getting that mass panic. Large-scale media coverage to help influence that panic. And yet, at the end of the day, it so far has killed six people in China and infected more than 300. Now... I don't want to get infected with this virus, but I will say uh, I am sure many out there feel the same way, that you're not overly concerned. Definitely not here in Kamloops. I mean, look back at that SARS epidemic, 8,000 people infected, 800 deaths out of what, some six and a half billion people that live on the earth during that uh, that time in 2002, 2003. I mean, those are some pretty good odds that we will be okay, right? 8,000 people getting sick out of six and a half billion. I'll take those odds. So uh, maybe don't ignore the whole issue, but let's just all take a deep breath Uh, Unless you're sitting beside someone wearing uh, a SARS mask, then uh, maybe, you know, hold that breath in and and find somewhere else to go hang out for a little while. All right. Well, enough about that. On today's show, I'm going to help you get motivated to stick to those fitness goals. You made your New Year's resolutions and you got that gym membership. You've gone a couple of times and now you have come to that sad realization that going to the gym is just not all that fun. Well... That's what my brain tells me anyway. So if you're anything like me, you're probably ready to throw those gym shoes in the closet, never to be seen again. Well, of course that is the wrong attitude because the more you go, the easier it becomes. The more you go, the more it becomes a habit. The more you go, I can't personally attest to this, but I have heard it to be true. The more you go, the more fun it can become. So I will be talking to a local fitness expert about how you can go about creating those attainable goals that will be easier to achieve and therefore keep you motivated and hopefully at the end of the day enjoy doing it as well it all sounds so simple also on today's show we will be speaking with a research associate at the angus reid institute Uh, as many canadians grieve the loss of the 57 fellow countrymen that were killed in ukrainian airlines flight 752 the research organization wanted to know how people are feeling about the entire situation do canadians feel safer after the killing of kassam solomani Are things worse? Whether it's safer or not, do people approve of the actions taken by the president? I mean, how do opinions differ between men and women? How do they differ between liberals and conservatives? I'll be joined by research associate Dave Korzynski at the end of the show to talk a little bit more about that survey. And coming up next, I'm going to be joined by an APTN reporter who is currently up uh, in northern BC here covering the ongoing dispute about the coastal gas link project. So uh, I'm sure many are familiar, but I'll just do a a little brief history looking back at what's Kind of happened. So, uh, early last year, a forestry road near Houston was the scene of a standoff between RCMP and members of the Wet'suwet'en Nation. Now, Coastal GasLink is planning to build a pipeline through Wet'suwet'en Territory, part of a $6.6 billion project to bring natural gas from northeastern BC to Kitimat on the coast. Uh, five elected Wet'suwet'en band Council supported it, but hereditary chiefs remained opposed. Um, at two camps, blockades obstructed coastal Gathling Pass to build the pipeline. So RCMP then set up roadblocks and arrested people to enforce an injunction. Days later, the threat of more conflict was averted by an agreement that the RCMP would leave the nearby Healing Lodge alone and allow the Wet'suwet'en people to trap in the backcountry unimpeded. Well, in the years since then, so that was uh, like January of 2019, so we're January 2020, and in the years since then, Coastal uh, Coastal GasLink has cleared some land to make room for construction workers' camps, but disputes over the pipeline and trapping rights continue to escalate. Eventually, Coastal GasLink put construction on hold, and uh, meanwhile, a BC Supreme Court judge ruled that the anti-pipeline group had harmed Coastal GasLink's interests, and RCMP had another deadline to enforce an injunction. So, the situation continues to rage on. Now, while BC Green Party interim leader Adam Olson was in the Wet'suwet'en territory on Saturday, just this past Saturday, to meet with hereditary chiefs and tour the blockades on the Morris River Forest Service Road near Houston. Olson had said at that time, in order to move forward, there needs to be stronger relationship between Canadian and traditional Indigenous leadership. Well, just last week, Premier John Horgan said the rule of law must be followed to allow construction of the $6.6 billion coastal link project to proceed despite protests. And he added, saying the infrastructure that is vital to securing a liquefied natural gas industry in B.C. will be built. Horgan then pointed out the natural gas pipeline from Dawson Creek to that planned LNG Canada Export Terminal near Kitimat has approvals of the B.C. Supreme Court, regulatory agencies and elected West Wet'suwet'en chiefs, but Olson. Uh, B.C. Green Party interim leader Adam Olson said, Horgan's comments highlight the willingness to put Indigenous law and Indigenous interest outside of the Canadian interests. So uh, a lot happening here. Uh, that was um, you know, probably a poor breakdown of what even has gone on because there's a lot more to the story than what I just said. Um, so things are continuing to rage on there up in northern B.C. Um, like I said, Adam Olson of the B.C. Green Party was up there this past weekend. Uh, we heard comments from the Premier last week, and uh, you know there continues to be discussion about what's going on um, with the whole project itself, whether or not it is going to go ahead The premier says it's going to, but I'm sure some other groups here have some other ideas. So with all that in mind, APTN's Tamara Pimentel has been covering this story. Uh, She has been up there over the course of about the last week, so I'm sure she has a good intel of what's happening at this point in time. And she's going to be joining me after the break to uh, start, you know, taking a deeper look into some of the conversations she's been having with the people up there and how they are feeling about this whole situation moving forward. So stay tuned, and I'll be joined by APTN's Tamara Pimentel after this.
0: Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com
1: Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas show here on Tuesday, January the 21st. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me here today. Uh, I'm actually joined now on the phone myself by APTN reporter Tamara Pimentel. Tamara, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to come on and speak to me here today.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: So, um, I mean, you've been up now. uh, I kind of went over the whole situation as uh, best I could here prior to the break. So uh, no need to get into too much backstory, but just, uh, you know, where exactly are you uh, right now? I mean, I know you've been kind of up in northern B.C. here for the last week, and you've been talking to some people up near some of these blockades around Houston. Uh, Just sort of wondering where exactly you are right now.
2: So right now I am in, I'm stationed out of Smithers, B.C. We have been here since... Wednesday, and we've just been kind of traveling back and forth between Smithers and Houston to the blockade. Uh, Smithers is where the Wet'suwet'en Hereditary Chief's office is, so we've been traveling back and forth.
1: So, I mean, you've been up there for getting close to a week now. And, uh, you know, over the course of that time, I mean, some things have definitely happened. We saw uh, B.C. Premier John Horgan basically come out and say this project is going to be built. Um, You had a a visit there over the weekend from uh, B.C. Green interim party leader um, Adam Olson. I mean, what what kinds of conversations have you you been hearing as you've been seeing these, um, you know, kind of political bigwigs uh, making some comments and making some visits? and, And I know Premier Horgan denied a visit to come up there. Um, You know, just sort of what conversations have you been having with some of the Indigenous leadership up there right now? Um, You know, are they happy with, with uh, some of the political, um, you know, responses that, that they've been hearing or pretty disappointed with some of the comments from the Premier? Kind of what, what are the tones of the conversations you've been having so far?
2: Yeah, so we've been in touch with Hereditary Chief Namox um, constantly since we got here. So what he... He was quite upset when Premier Horgan refused to come and visit. He was just in Terrace, which isn't too far of a drive, and he's been really wanting to have a conversation with another leader, not a decision maker. There's been a lot of talk of why doesn't he, you know, why doesn't he talk to um, Coastal GasLink? And he says, well. I'm a leader I'm a decision maker I want to talk with another decision maker so he did invite um, Green Party leader uh, Adam Olsen out and basically what he said is we need leaders to come here breathe our air see our territory and see what we're protecting and Olson's comments to to Horgans um, quote that we have to follow the rule of law in order for the construction to proceed. He uh, basically told us it highlights the willingness to put Indigenous law and Indigenous interest outside the Canadian interest.
1: Yeah, I found that to be an interesting quote because, I mean, we've been, you know, here in BC recently, we had the whole uh, passing of UNDRIP and things along those lines. And, um, you know, there's a lot of um, talk, I guess, about, you know, how committed we are to, uh, in BC, Indigenous relations when when you hear comments like, uh, you know, in order for the rule of law to be upheld, this project must go through. I mean, you know, I guess, are there concerns about any sort of um controversy between the 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 actions taken by government when we're looking at something like undrip and then the fact that these comments from the premier are being made regardless that this project is going to be built i guess are you hearing people that are saying you know um maybe the the words in this case are being are are almost louder than the so-called actions that are being taken when it comes to um you know those relationships
2: yeah that's definitely a concern of course um last monday uh the rcmp did put up a blockade again exclusion zone which i guess namox says it kind of goes against all of that conversation that should be should or what should be a conversation Mm -hmm. so rcmp exclusion zone is still there they're saying that Whoever exits the camp that hasn't spoken to them first about entering, those people will be detained. So uh, there is a lot of um, uncertainty going on right now. Um, I do know that a letter has been sent to the hereditary chief by John Horgan, uh, saying that Scott Fraser, the Minister of Indigenous Relations and Reconciliation, will be out tomorrow to speak with them. So I guess we'll have to see what unfolds tomorrow.
1: Yeah, that's, um, I mean, it's not the Premier, obviously, which is what they were hoping to speak to, but I guess it's a a spokesperson for uh, the the NDP government. So, I, I mean, I assume there's probably some disappointment that it's not, Um, Horgan himself, obviously, that is coming up to pay a visit and have some of these conversations, but is there, um, I mean, I don't know if you've spoken to anyone about that specifically yet, but I mean, is someone at least, um, you know, happy that somebody is coming up from uh, from the NDP to have these kinds of conversations and to look at the land and to to see what it is exactly that's being protected here?
2: You know, I actually have not talked to anybody about this specifically. Everyone has been back at the Gidim Den and the Unistoten camps, and we have not had access to those camps to speak with anyone. So (laughs) we've been kind of hanging tight in Smithers, waiting for people to have cell service Mm -hmm. and see our messages, but we have not been able to speak with anyone yet. The Hereditary Chiefs were in camp yesterday. Okay.
1: Um Okay. yeah, I mean, going back to your earlier comments there, talking about uh, you know the RCMP uh, blockade that's up there now. Um You know, is there any concern, I guess, that things are going to escalate right now? Um, You know, it sounds like there's some tension that seems to be growing uh, around the area and uh, around Houston there, and I'm just curious if if people are concerned that things are going to escalate beyond what they are right now, given that, uh, you know, you mentioned there is a threat of potential arrests coming and, and, you know, more police action being taken. I assume that doesn't sit well with with those who are um, trying to protect that land. No, so what happened
2: was... When, before Adam Olson came up to visit the camp, a new camp was being set up in front of the RCMP exclusion zone. So uh, I guess there are some, some fears that things are going to escalate. They put up that camp to keep an eye on the RCMP and also so that they could meet with people who are trying to access them, people that are being turned away by the RCMP. So when you're heading down the Morris Fraser, uh, sorry, the Morris uh, River Road there, those people will be the first ones that you come in contact with before the RCMP. So they're just kind of camping out there and waiting to see what happens
1: yeah i guess we all kind of are at this stage of the game um you know you've been up here since uh, i believe it was wednesday of last week so you've been up there for almost a week um you know have you seen a lot of um what would be the word, uh, like, changes? Have you seen a lot of waves when it comes to, um, you know, how the whole situation is sort of being viewed when you look at, you know, what the, the premier says and then you have the visits from Adam Olson? I'm just curious if there's been, like, some, some positive and some negatives and if there's been a lot of ups and downs, I guess, and how positive people are feeling about um, the the whole project itself, whether it is going to be moving ahead or not and, and just the efforts to stop it. You know, has there been some some shifts in, in how people's attitudes are towards them? Uh, all of this at this point in time
2: there honestly has not been too many shifts in attitude um, most of the people that we would like to speak to like I said are back at the camp so that we only spoke to one spokesperson out of all the people that are at the camp we only spoke to one spokesperson okay. about why they're setting up this new camp to keep an eye on things um, so far, there hasn't been too much of a shift, but like I said, we can't we can't access those those people at the camp. The road is completely blocked. We can't drive to the main camps there. We have to, if, if we were to visit, we would have to hike um, for about four kilometers and get picked up by Skidoo because there are fallen trees, and RCMP have warned us that there may be weakened trees along that road, so if we do if we do hike down that road extra snow in that and wind that they come down could knock over those trees and we also have to organize that transportation with people at the camp so we've been having quite you know we've been having some difficulty covering the situation and if there were is a shift in attitude we we can't get there to figure all of that out
1: yeah, it's uh, it's tough, and I uh, appreciate the work that you have been doing there. It's definitely an interesting story, one that's going to continue to develop here. So, um, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me here. I really appreciate your time, Tamara. And uh, yeah, definitely going to be uh, watching to see uh, what uh, what the next story is out of out of there. So, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it, and keep up the great work.
2: Thank you.
1: Awesome. That was uh, APTN reporter Tamara Tamara Pimentel talking about what's going on up here in northern BC when it comes to the Coastal Gas Link Pipeline project. Uh, Lots to talk about, and uh, I'm sure we didn't even get as deep into the conversation as we could have uh, when we talked for almost 10 minutes, so lots to say. Uh, Coming up after the break, we're going to be talking about those fitness goals here and uh, sort of how you can keep them uh, in mind moving ahead now that we're about three weeks into the year. That'll be coming up after your news, so stick around. (laughs)
0: The voice of your community, Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and Radio NL Here's Jeff Andreas.
1: Hello and welcome back to the show, and thanks as always for tuning in here. Uh, As we approach the end of January, I'm sure there are many out there who, you know, made some New Year's resolutions, and if they haven't broken them already, well, maybe starting to sort of lose some of that initial motivation they had, and that might depend exactly on what your resolution is, but many, uh, you know, January 1, make those physical fitness goals as their priorities, and perhaps if you're like me, you don't like going to the gym to begin with and now that we're three weeks plus into the year you know that desire kind of fades even further i'm joined now in studio by the owner and head strength and conditioning coach of f3 fit robert petrie robert thanks so much for coming in thanks for having me so let me just start by asking about you know the, the beginning of the year i mean are you at f3 fit kind of seeing that surge that comes with uh, you know january one people making those physical fitness goals for the new year did you see that sort of uptick in memberships and stuff like that
3: i do uh see a lot more people coming in and um, being having that enthusiasm and making sure that they're um, taking care of their health, uh, and our classes do we do have more people there. Um, we pride ourselves at F3 to be able to have that accountability. I don't really like using that word accountability because it's like almost a, a punishment to some people. So trying to make a an environment that people want to come back to, rather than uh, almost making it a, as a a privilege to be there rather than a punishment. So.
1: Of course, yeah, and and that, that's a good uh, environment to to work out in, one where you feel welcome and feel like, uh, you know, it's not necessarily something you have to do, but something that, that you want to do, um, and, and like I had mentioned, you know, when you get a little bit further into the year and you start uh, maybe losing that initial good habits that you might have developed right away, I mean, do you see some of that start to creep in around this time where people are becoming more like, eh, I wanted to go to the gym, but now that I've been doing it, I'm you know not as into it as I thought I might be yeah I do see that
3: and usually it's the people that are kind of solo that come to the gym where the people that either make friends at the gym or they started their New Year's resolution with a friend uh, kind of a buddy system those people are the ones that seem to stick uh, stick to it um, and it's partly just because it's not just about the workout it's also a social time for them and there it's a, a time to kind of connect with their friends
1: right on that's that makes a lot of sense to have that buddy system um, so So for those, though, who are, you know, maybe doing it on an individual basis and starting to lose some of that motivation, uh, what what kind of tips, I guess, do you have to to keep people online? I mean, you guys have a philosophy at F3 Fit that you sort of live by. Maybe tell me a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, so uh, our our tagline is Learn, Build, Improve. So um, F3 stands for Fundamental Foundation Fitness. And with putting the tagline and the name together, it's Learn Your Fundamentals build a foundation improve your fitness so having those uh, that kind of philosophy is um, not trying to get ahead of yourself basically Um, a lot of times people stop coming because they say they're sore but one of the best things that you can do when you're sore is keep on moving because you get better blood flow you get more nutrients to your muscles and therefore they're going to recover faster so so it's basically being able to um, trust that your body can recuperate um, and the more you move Uh, for the most part, uh, the more
1: you'll recover. Perfect. And, uh, you know, with, with, uh, physical fitness, I mean, it's about more than just going to the gym. So, um, you know, we're talking about uh, maybe your eating habits and things like that. I mean, do you kind of work on all these things with people on an individual basis to make sure they're doing, you know, cause it's, it's a lot more than just, you know, going to the gym it, it's about staying motivated. It's about eating, right. It's about, you know, a lot more than just getting your one hour work in workout in, you know, two, three, four times a week, however often you're going. So, uh, you know, yeah. how, 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 good are the conversations that you have with people when it comes to their overall fitness and not just what happens at the gym? Yeah, so a
3: lot of times, uh, change is, uh, for a lot of people, not an easy thing. It's a uh, it's, uh, growth uh, growth time. So basically, if you're going to start, uh, you don't want to start a million things at the same uh, at the same time. Start with one thing. So make a commitment that you can measure of going to the gym three days a week. Um, and then once you feel like you've mastered that, then say, okay, I'm. Some people. I had a client the other day. We decided to stop uh, get him to stop drinking pop. So uh, he's addicted to the pop. He just loves it, but instead Instead, let's replace that with something else, was like carbonated water or something like that. And making one step at a time and making those choices one choice at a time and really sticking to them that way, rather than trying to do 10 different things um, all at the same time. Uh, we almost get lost in how many things that we want to change. By changing one thing at a time, it allows you to feel successful and then be able to have the confidence to move on to the next one.
1: Yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. One um, well, one thing we did talk about a little bit too, when, when we were arranging our chat here, was uh, you know for for fun, what do people do for fun, right? Because oh, yeah. uh, you know food is important and being fit is important, but that's not necessarily what people are you know excited about, and what they want to you know have some enjoyment in their life as well, but still maintain their their physical fitness goals. I mean, you know what what kind of things do do you recommend for people who, uh, you know, who are coming to the gym for the first time and, you know, a lot of the things they might do for fun could involve, you know, sitting on the couch and doing nothing for a while, but that's not going to, yeah. that's not going to help anybody, right? So what, what kind of tips do you give for people to, you know, make sure they're enjoying their physical fitness goals as well?
3: Well, I, I even look kind of at sports um, in a way. There's, there's individual sports and then team sports. So um, like cross country skiing is a more of an individual sport. And so if you're someone that likes to get away into nature, or if you like having a little bit of that alone time, that introvert kind of person, then cross country or a hike or something with, I have a dog, so I'm going out for a hike with my dog, um, it keeps me motivated to, well, he keeps me motivated to go out. Um, where on the same time there's, uh, I'm a big team sports person. I played hockey, soccer, lacrosse, um, and I realize as I get older that it's not necessarily the sport; it's the dressing room. It's right, the, right. But we go out and play. So having that again, it's uh, that social aspect of it is and having fun while you're being active uh, allows you to stay. Um, on top
1: of things. Awesome. Yeah, definitely being with other people is always going to make everything more fun, right? So, Mm -hmm. uh, well, unless you are one of those introverted people, maybe maybe you want to be alone in the wilderness by yourself, and that's okay, too. what, what do you say now? I guess you know we're three weeks into the year or so, and um, you know some people maybe you know want to have physical fitness goals, but you know maybe are a little scared or hesitant to go into the gym because they don't want to you know put down that one-year commitment and then think they will might never use it or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, are you? How can you still encourage people to to come in now? And you know we are hitting the tail end of January, and you know of course springtime is sort of coming. That always can be a motivating factor for people to get their beach bodies ready or whatever yeah. you want to say. So um, you know. Do you expect to see more people who maybe, you know, have been a little bit hesitant to come in so far, but, uh, you know, they still want to do something to improve their lives? And, um, you know, I guess, do you have any advice for those people who are just sort of on the fence about thinking about it?
3: Yeah, I think there's a, there's a few gyms in town that, um, like, uh, at F3, we actually have, uh, it's not one free class, it's one free week for our classes so you can get a better feel of the different classes that we have and the people that come there um, and I'm, I'm sure that other gyms have that but again it comes back to if uh, because so I stumbled there a little bit because a lot of people at three weeks in if they did go to the gym or they haven't gone to the gym they're around people that are getting sick and so that kind of stumbles and uh, makes them stumble a little bit as well so the, the, the key things that you want to um, do when you're feeling sick or run down is get a good night's sleep, drink lots of water and eat whole foods basically. So you know, the things that you can control, those are big ones that you can control. Um, and making sure that uh, I remember a couple years ago, I wasn't getting as much sleep as I uh, could. So or i was watching tv late at night or looking at my phone or anything like that so one way to control your sleep is put your foot on phone or turn the tv off at 10 o'clock and go to bed you may not fall asleep right away, but you're in bed at 10 o'clock kind of thing. So that I did that, and I, I noticed a big difference in my sleep patterns. So little things that you start looking at, things that you can control, um, and make those small little steps that will give you confidence to make another step and another step.
1: Awesome. I think that's great advice, Robert. Um, that's pretty much all I had for you here. Is there anything else that you want to you know spread the word about before I let you go?
3: Uh, no, I just uh, would love to see people come into the gym at F3 Fit. Um, and if I don't see you there, maybe I see you
1: on the trail in ride or somewhere like that. Sounds great. Thanks right. so much for coming in, Robert. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Awesome. That was uh, Robert Petrie, the owner and head strength and conditioning coach of F. Three fit. Yeah, it's that time of year where it's, uh, you know, it can be tough to stay motivated, but I will say this, um, you know, speaking for my own personal experience, not that I'm a big gym goer by any means, although, uh, you know, I, I want to, I want to be a big gym goer. It's just uh, sometimes not something that's uh, top of mind in terms of something I actually want to go out and do. But no, I will say this um, last week. I mean, we were looking at those brutal temperatures that were what minus 20 at times. Um, You know, almost hitting that minus 30 mark when it comes to the wind chill at certain times. I mean, it was really difficult to want to leave the house. I'm also getting over a bit of a cold here too, so I mean, put those two things together and yeah, no, I don't really feel like doing anything other than going home, sitting in a warm blanket and just uh, grabbing a tea and, and, you know, watching some television or something along those lines. I mean, that's really all that I had the motivation to do, and I'm sure there are many people out here in Kamloops and the region that are feeling the same way, getting over a cold and and just, uh, you know, didn't want to do anything with that cold weather. Well you know, now that the weekend came, we saw on Sunday those plus temperatures began, and looking here at the forecast, uh, you know, the 7-day forecast doesn't have any highs that are less than 4 degrees, so definitely a lot easier to get out of the house, walk to the gym, get in your car, drive to the gym. You don't have to worry about your car not starting as a result of the cold or whatever concerns you might have had. So there's less excuses now than there were last week. So definitely time to uh, get motivated, get out there. And whether you're going to the gym or doing anything for the sake of uh, physical fitness goals or not, it doesn't change the fact that you should probably get out of the house and take a walk once in a while in order to keep yourself happy, get that vitamin D. And you know what? Uh, the days are slowly getting longer and You know, that uh, seasonal depression is uh, slowly starting to fade away, so... That's always a good thing. At least I think so. Coming up after the break, Kassam Soleimani. How are Canadians feeling about the action that the U.S. President Donald Trump took to uh, to kill Kassam Are Are people happy about it? Are they worried about uh, the safety of the world at this point in time? Well, Angus Reed put together a survey to find out just how Canadians are feeling about the whole situation and about the safety of our planet as a result? And I'll be speaking with a survey analyst about all of that after this.
0: Opinion. Call or text 250 374 Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com.
1: Well, welcome back here on Tuesday the 21st. Thanks so much for joining me. As many across the country continue to grieve for the 57 Canadians who were killed when Ukraine International Airlines Flight 752 was shot down by Iran The Angus Reid Institute wanted to find out exactly what opinions are out there when it comes to the events that occurred in the days leading up to the tragedy. Here now to talk about this survey is research associate at the Angus Angus Reid Institute, Dave Korzynski. Dave, thanks so much for taking the time here.
4: No problem. Thanks for having me.
1: So just to kind of start things off, I wanted to kind of get a handle on how this survey was put together. So uh, just for context, when was this survey launched and sort of how were responses collected?
4: So we actually put together this is this uh, one that we've released today is the the second of uh, a package so we put it together last week uh, the the fielding dates are January 13th to fifteenth and uh, the important dates I guess for for this instance um, would be I think January fourth was the initial um, Air strike on um, the, the Iranian general Soleimani, and then January eighth would be the day where the uh, plane was shot down, and and the fifty seven Canadian lives were lost. Um, so we fielded a few days after that, and just ask Canadians some some uh, thoughts about the situation generally, and then some thoughts about the future, and just. Try to get a perspective on how people were feeling about this.
1: Yeah, and I, I think there's some interesting data here just in sort of how different, um, you know, whether it be age groups or genders kind of feel about this whole situation. So let's just kind of start by getting an overall picture here from you. Um, so, you know, you had asked a few different questions with the main one being, um, is the world more dangerous following the killing of Qasem Soleimani and the subsequent incidents that have occurred since? So what were you able to find out when it comes to how Canadians are feeling about global safety at this point in time?
4: Yeah, and that's an interesting one, because the White House kind of came out and said that this, this was a situation where uh, the world is a safer place now, Americans are safer, and, and the region uh, will be a little bit more stable with Soleimani um, out of the picture. Um, you know, he's notorious for uh, organizing um, with, with other terrorist groups in the region, and, um, and uh, I think that was a lot of the the difficulty that people had with this was thinking about you know taking somebody who is you know objectively quite a bad guy, um, but potentially destabilizing the region further and and uh, having relations with Iran be more contentious. Mm-hmm. Um, so we found that uh, Canadians, when they assess it, uh, only about fourteen percent say that they feel like this decision actually made the region uh, more stable and has made the world safer. That's, that's about in line with, um, Americans were asked the same question, but just about their own safety about America and about 25% said that they felt, um, that the U S was more safe now. So that leaves you with two thirds of Canadians, uh, saying that, that they feel the the region is more dangerous now. Um, and that's an interesting one when you look at it across political lines, because, uh, conservatives are, are basically in, in three different groups on this, uh, the, an equal number say it's either safer, more dangerous, or hasn't really made much a difference. And uh, when you look at Liberal and NDP supporters, that's just based on who they voted for in October, uh, about 9 in 10 say that they feel like it made the, the world more dangerous. So there's a clear kind of delineation. Uh, the the people on the, the center-left of the spectrum uh, don't really like the idea of, of using the type of uh, violence in, in this case to kind of uh, create change and make the, the, the world safer. There's kind of a, a bit of a counter, counterintuitive nature there for them, I think, uh, whereas conservatives are kind of divided, and there's certainly more that, that see it as they, they understand the rationale that the White House has put forward, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if, uh, data when you're talking about, um, you know, political affiliations, if that really surprises me about how people are feeling about the situation. That's kind of what I would have anticipated, I think, um, you know, had you just asked <clears> me <throat> the question and just asked, you know, if I had an opinion of how one group would feel versus the other. It's about in line probably with what I would have suspected. Um, wh- one thing I did want to know ask you, because uh, you guys did this breakdown, I believe, as well, was just looking at how men versus women sort of feel about the situation um, and, and again, I think it, there's not a ton of surprises here.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those ones where sometimes when you're doing survey design and you're writing this, you can kind of anticipate who's going to say what. Um, the big one for us is always that Quebec is going to feel one way and Alberta is going to feel the opposite. Um, in this one, though, yeah, the, the the gender splits were interesting on the on the first question and on the second. Um, in in the case of um, whether or not they kind of approve of of uh, engaging the strike in the first place. So we asked them about the, the actual order, um, that was approved by, by Trump. Um, and men are, are about 42% of them approve of it. And that's more than twice as many, uh, compared to women, only 19% of, of female respondents say that they approved of it with young women, that 18 to 34 age group being, um, considerably lower than everybody, only 13% approve of the, of the airstrike. Um, so so men twice as likely to approve of it, but then, when you look at whether or not it's made the world uh safer or more dangerous, you still get a majority of of male respondents saying that they think that uh it's kind of destabilized the situation further um It's at least fifty one percent across all male age groups um so that's lower than women who are closer to that four and five range the eighty percent kind of mark um but still quite a considerable number uh The difference being there, I think that uh about one in five men say that they they do think that it's made the situation safer, which is about, you know, three times as many uh, as female respondents. So pretty clear uh, gender splits on the issue and, and how it was handled, I think.
1: And I think, um, you know, when you break it down like that, it's sort of uh, another indication that, um, you know, men seem to be maybe a little bit more accepting of violence than women are. I mean, uh, um, the data sort of mm-hmm. bears that out, right? I mean, they're more more in favor of, of what the actions that occurred and, um, you know, yeah. are more comfortable, I guess, with the fact that maybe there is a bit of a destabilization as a result.
4: Yeah, I think there's more the the, the whole means-to-an-end kind of discussion has a little bit more weight um, among uh, men. And and the idea that, you know, if you've got somebody who has pretty clearly been involved in organizing um, with nefarious groups and, and destabilizing the region, um, getting him, you know, out, out of the picture and then reassessing it and trying to go from there, it just kind of resonates with men more than it does with women who... who um, I think see you know the risk of, of loss of life um, as as paramount in that discussion, and you know thankfully for for uh, everybody in the region um, it has been uh, pretty uh, stable. Tensions have calmed uh, more than I think a lot of people anticipated after Iran struck back, and and then the uh, the language kind of the rhetoric kind of uh, toned down. So you know it's a tenuous situation, but I think uh, as far as things could have been anticipated. Uh, So far, so good. Not a lot of uh, loss of life from this particular uh, conflict.
1: Right on, Dave. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, but I'd like to thank you very much for uh, speaking to me here this morning. Really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, some interesting information here as a result of this survey. So thanks for sharing it with us.
4: No problem.
1: Thank you. Angusreed.org, if anyone wants more. There you go. It's definitely worth uh, digging a little deeper, I think. So thanks so much, Dave. Really appreciate your time. Uh, that was Dave Krasinski, Research Associate at the Angus Reed Institute. Well, that wraps things up for me here today. I want to thank all my guests for joining me, and a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, if you joined me for a short while or a long while, just know I enjoyed our time while it lasted. I'll be back here tomorrow at 9.